Uh, but welcome to part two of this series, It's Not You, It's Me. And you can go ahead and grab out your Bible or your notes uh, if you haven't already. Or if you like a digital version of the notes, you can pull up the Victory Church app and click on this weekend's message. There's a fill-in-the-blank version uh, there for you. Because the month of February is the month of love. It's the month of relationships. And so every year we try to bring you a series that deals with relationships or marriage or whatever it is around that topic. Uh, that way to strengthen you in your relationships and maybe give you some principles from God's Word uh, that you can bring into your life. And so we thought we'd bring you some practical things this series. And so you'll notice from last week, my toilet prop is gone. Uh, my sermon illustration toilet is, well, I took that thing back to Home Depot on Friday. Come on, somebody. I just I <laughs> took that. I'd say I took it back into the customer service desk, put that big box there, all repacked nicely and taped. And she looked me in the eyes, that lady, and she said, did you use it? <laughs> and my first response, my first, uh, I guess, thought that I had was, that is a very personal question. I don't know if I want to, this is Home Depot. I don't think I want to be answering personal questions. But then my second thought is, who are these people who are buying toilets and using them and returning them? All right, everybody, that is a new fear in my heart now. I don't hope it's none of you. All right, we're going to have prayer for that after the service. But I love the thought of this series because most of us in our dating process, in our dating lives, most of us have used this line, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's me. And we would say something lame like, I have fear of commitment, or we're just moving in different directions, or I'm not ready to settle down. Uh, It's just something, it's 100% my fault. But what we meant was, you're not the person I'm looking for, right? We meant, you're weird, you have weird tendencies, you're maybe not as attractive as I think I can do right now. You just, we think these different things, or maybe you've got weird parents, or I don't like your friends, or, or something about it. Something about you is off-putting to me, but I don't have the guts to tell you that. And so I'm going to come up with something about myself. I'm going to blame myself that it's 100% my fault. Well, the theme of this entire series is out of James chapter 4. And it's this idea that when we use that line, maybe we were speaking a little bit of truth. That it's not you, it's me line. That maybe what's causing the fight. So James chapter 4, verse 1 this morning. James chapter 4, verse 1 this morning. It's, we have a little bit of technical. You guys notice we started about 10, 15 minutes late. Uh, we just have some demons in the wires, all right? It's just some things in the electronics and stuff. But James chapter 4, I'll read it to you. You can pull out your real Bibles. Come on, this is a chance, everybody. This is called a Bible, right? They made it in a paperback. Come on, somebody. It's, it's, it's a good chance to pull those out and do it. But James chapter 4, it actually tells you what's causing the fights and the quarrels among you, to which every person who is in a relationship, every person who's in a relationship with another person, whether it's a friend or a spouse or a colleague would say it's that other person that's causing the fights in my life. It's that other person that's causing the quarrels in my life. It's that other person who's doing. But James would submit to you that maybe it's a little bit of our fault. He says, isn't it because there's a whole army of evil desires inside of you? He says, what's causing those fights and those quarrels? Isn't it because there's a whole army of evil desires inside of you? So this series, we're taking time out from blaming all the other people in our lives. We're taking time out for blaming everybody else in our relationship. Because unfortunately, one thing I have found in all of my relationships and all my years of having relationships with people, even in my own marriage, is any time a relationship is not going well or any time that I have a relationship that's not working correctly, I am the only common denominator. I'm always in them. Come on, somebody. I'm always a part of those relationships. So maybe I'm actually contributing to some of those things going wrong. Maybe it's not all the blame on the other person. Maybe I actually carry a little bit of weight. And that's what we're looking at in this series. That maybe we contribute to a little bit of the dysfunction in our relationships. So here's the deal for the entire series. Do not listen for your spouse. 
Do not listen for your brother. Do not listen for your sister, for your cousin, for your coworker. Do not listen for anybody else. And I know we all do that, right? We take notes and we say, well, I just really hope he hears this. That's really good. I just really, I, we're going to rehearse that in the car. Come on. That's just really, amen, brother. That's good for him. That's good. Or guys, you're doing that for like the first time ever. You're like, where's a pen? I'm going to write that. That's good. That's, man, we should, you should write that down. That's good. We're going to have to go back over that and get this fixed. And there's going to be points like that in today's message as well. There's going to be points like that in today's message about where you feel like they should hear this. But here's the deal. You can only change yourself. You're the only person that you can control. So let's listen for ourselves. Let's let the Holy Spirit do the job of convicting that other person. And let's begin to let him do the job of talking to us. Because today's topic is it's not you. It's my communication. It's not you. It's my communication. Because here's the deal. Many, many, many of us, not just the young. I would submit to you every age demographic that we represent as a church. We are incredibly dysfunctional in our communication. In our methods of communication, we write notes, we send Facebook messages, we text message, we do Instagram and people that if they like us or don't like us, it affects our relationships so greatly. And it actually affects the relationships that we have in real life as well, because we let all the other dysfunctional ways of communicating. We let them affect our real life relationships, our marriages and our friendships. And we're so bathed in technology and in these ways of connecting that we've lost this art of the face to face communication. Because we we communicate in ways that are so selfish that we say, well, it all has to happen on my pace and in my my pace of life or in my speed. And so I need you to communicate with me at that speed or I need you to communicate with me instantly in this medium or whatever it is. And we've lost the face to face. Social scientists are saying that we are losing the ability to communicate face to face. That we're losing the ability to even have conversations, to interact with a person, to watch them, to interact with social cues, to see what they're feeling, to ask questions. We're losing that ability. And I promise you, it will destroy our relationships if we don't get back to actual communication between people. If our communication, we're not on the same page. And so the Bible tells us this great verse for communication. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: The tongue has the power of life and Death. Now, the first thing I want you to notice about this verse is it is the tongue. It's not the thumbs have the power of life and death, right? It is the tongue has the power, the words that we're speaking, real communication, person to person. And then we have to understand about how it holds so much power. We are either speaking life over people or we are taking life from them. Because there are two options when you are communicating with people. There are two things. It's never neutral. It's either life giving or it's life taking. If you've ever experienced a conversation with somebody who is life giving, You come away from that conversation or from that interaction, you feel like you can conquer the world. You feel good. You feel energized. You feel like you can do anything. But you ever have a conversation with somebody who is life taking and they're just negative and derogatory and criticizing. You come away from that feeling like life has been taken from you. And so in your interactions, in your communications, you are either life giving or you are life taking. And so in relationships, especially in the church, they should be life-giving relationships. There should be life-giving communications in your marriage, in your friendships. There should be life-giving. Now, here's the problem. None of us are born understanding the ability to communicate. None of us are born with this innate, just incredible ability to communicate well with the others in our lives. It's something that we need to learn, and a lot of us have never been taught. And you see this all the time in kids. You see this in the way that kids interact with each other, the way that they talk to others, the way they view the world. You just see that how we start in our communication. So I have a few letters written by children that I want to read to you this morning. A little hard for you to read, but I'll read them to you. And we see this idea of communication not going quite the way that we planned. Here's the first one. Thank you, Mom, for being wonderful, caring, and not making your meatloaf anymore. 
Now, there's probably a good way. Let's go back to that. There's probably a good way to say that, but it's not that way. How many know that's not the way to communicate? It's probably a good thing to communicate. I imagine that meatloaf is pretty awful, but that's probably not the best way that you can communicate this one. All right, here's one for Christmas. I hope you get a lot of presents and have a happy Merry Christmas. Oh, and you are fat. It's probably not the best way to tell. There's a little picture there, right? To to show the problem that's going on. That's probably not the best one to depict that, all right? Probably a better way to communicate. Here's the next one. Dear Brody, and by the way, this is how a lot of you apologize in your marriages. And I just want you to know this is not appropriate, all right? Dear Brody, Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say is sorry for his not being sorry. Because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't. (laughs) Liam. I like some of you are like that. I, I tried to say I tried to say sorry, but I just don't. I just don't feel some of you, that's a bad apology. All right, everybody, if you hear nothing else, that is a bad apology. Here's one in dating for those of you preparing to get married. This is bad. Dear Ashley, would you please be my girlfriend? I like you a lot. Please circle. And there's some things here. Please circle. Yes, no, or maybe. Right. Some good instructions there. How many remember these? I remember writing these kind of notes. Yes, no, or maybe. So Ashley, Ashley wrote back. She circled no, but then she qualified it. I'm sorry. I already have a boyfriend, Kyle. But when we break up, you're my next choice. (laughs) P.S. That will probably be a month or two. (laughs) God, I wonder if Kyle knows he's in trouble. I wonder if he knows if he knows he's on the way out. Come on, here's the principle I want you to get because so many times we communicate things in the wrong way or we say things in the wrong ways we just see it through a bad light we say it in the wrong way to communicate here's the principle I want you to get today and that is the words that you are speaking are creating the relationships that you have the words that you are speaking are creating the relationships that you have if you're in relational trouble today chances are you can trace it back to this whole idea of communication that you're not on the same page So I'm going to give you some principles from God's word that I believe help us to become better communicators. And I'm praying that this would spark some conversations in your home this week, some conversations at your workplace with your friends, with your family members, just some things where we can begin to identify these problems we have with communication and begin to fix them. All right. So the first one here is great communication. Come on. That's a good picture for the background of that. We're just going to keep that one. Great communication is respectful. Great communication is respectful. We need to consider the fact that when you are communicating, you are talking to a human being. They're not just some person activating in a role in your life that they just play some part of your stage and your play. That's not. They're an actual living individual who have thoughts and hopes and dreams and emotions. And get this, they're allowed to have those thoughts and dreams and emotions, even if you disagree with them. They're allowed to have them. That's part of what being an individual is. That's part of what being a unique individual. God made everyone differently. We all see the world in different ways. And oftentimes, though, we become so frustrated because they see something differently or because they're different than us that we become disrespectful in the way that we communicate. And we just can't understand where they're coming from. And so a lot of times we'll get frustrated. And so we'll lash out and then they'll get frustrated and they'll become angry. And Proverbs chapter 15 has a great verse on this. And it says, and gentle answer deflects anger. But harsh words make tempers flare. Now, I've been listening to different speakers this week, different marriage conference speakers, kind of vet a few to invite for our marriage conference in July. And I've listened to a lot of boring speakers, so you don't have to. So you're welcome, everybody, by the way. But something that stood out to me this week, one of the speakers, he spoke on emotions. And one thing he said was that anger is always a secondary emotion. And I thought that's such a deep thought that anger is always a secondary emotion. 
that the underlying feeling typically is I'm not being heard or I'm not being valued or my thoughts are not being uh, given the weight that they deserve or I'm being neglected or I'm being criticized or whatever it is. There's always feelings that precede anger. There's always feelings that come before the frustration. There's always some problem. Anger is always the secondary emotion. And so when that other person becomes angry, we need to understand in the relationship that what we say next determines where that relationship goes. What we say next determines what happens next when they get angry. Because we can give a gentle answer that turns away anger and gets to the deeper issue. If we're a great friend or if we're a great spouse, we can say, no, no, I know that you're frustrated. I know that you're angry, but let's try to figure out what I did or what's underneath that that's causing this anger. Let's get to that because I know that anger is just a secondary emotion. That'll help a lot of you in your relationships. When you realize frustration, anger, lashing out, these are all secondary things to what the real problem is. And so if we begin to take those, we can talk about it in a respectful way. But disrespectful relationships and friendships and marriages oftentimes, when we're disrespectful and we don't embrace God's principles in our communications, a lot of times we know those buttons that will push that person and we go straight to them. When they get angry, we like to stir the pot a little bit. I just know some of you are not amen. It got quiet today because, you know, it's true. But we often respond with, well, I know that you did this, but I only did that because two years ago you did. And then we're at each other. And then we've already determined where the rest of the afternoon is going to go. Come on, somebody. We just we know how the rest of this thing is going to go because we know the buttons that we're pushing. And so I think we need to embrace a different process. We need to learn how to be respectful. We need to learn how to value the other person enough to be respectful in our communication. We need to be gentle in our answers, gentle in the way that we speak to one another. In fact, jot it down this way if you're taking notes. How we communicate is just as important as what we communicate. How we communicate, and I would change this obviously in some scenarios to say how we communicate is maybe even more important than what we communicate. Because you can say all the right things, but if you say it with the wrong tone, it comes across as inflammatory or disrespectful or negative, or anything like that. And even though you're saying in the right thing, you're just saying it in the wrong way. And so we have to learn how we communicate is important. So let's give people a gentle answer. Let's be soft in our tone. Let's be humble in our posture. Let's deal with people realizing that they are a real person that we are speaking to, and we'll be respectful. Now, a couple of tips here in James chapter 1, and he says, my dear brothers and sisters, I want to take a, just a moment and pause and say, he's really talking to the brothers, alright, I think this is a good concept for ladies as well, but guys, we just get this wrong all the time, alright so here is the one, to brothers, take note of this so if you're taking notes today, this is Paul's way of saying that, everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry now I don't know about you guys, but I'll just be transparent with you this morning this is not my forte This is not my strength. I have strengths in other areas. This is not one of them, all right? I am quick to speak and slow to listen. And I am very quick to become very passionate about various topics, all right, everybody? We'll just call it that. I just say, because I just get passionate very quickly. And people will tell, my wife will say, why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. I'm just very passionate about this particular topic, all right? It's okay to laugh in church. Some of you, some of you aren't laughing because you're like, you too. I know, I know who you are. So the Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. And see, there's a problem that's growing in our relationships and that nobody's really listening to anybody anymore. We pretend like we're listening, but what we're really doing is waiting for a lull in the conversation so that we can jump in and say what we've been planning to say since they started talking. We just have anybody know anybody like that? Anybody got any? You just we're just ready. We got what we want to say. And we're just waiting for you to take a breath because I've got to say what I need to say. We're not actually listening. Problem is, this gets into our marriages 
all the time. Guys, guys, so many times we want to jump in and fix whatever the problem is so we can move on to the next topic. You know what I'm talking about. We just want to, we just want to move on to the next thing. And if she doesn't see it my way, then I am very quick to become passionate about how she doesn't see it my way. Because if she would just listen to me, right? Listen to me, woman, and I'd fix it. Come on, and then we can move on to more important things. We can keep on going. But the problem is she doesn't want me to fix it. She doesn't care if I have the answers to fix it. She just wants me to shut up and listen. Come on, somebody. She just wants me to. Here's what Dr. Phil says. You can either be right or you can be happy. Come on, that'll preach it. I'm not a big Dr. Phil quoter, but I think that's a good one, guys. We have to shift in understanding our perspective and in our communication. We have to understand that in our relationships, communication is not a competitive sport. When we're having a conversation, it is not a competitive sport. Now, I am competitive. I love to win. But we have to realize that if I want to have quality relationships with people, that I cannot view them as the enemy when we are having conversations. I don't want to walk away from every conversation thinking, did I win that conversation? Did I, did I come out? Did I get enough points? Did I convince them of enough things? Did I win the conversation? And so when we're communicating ideas and beliefs and emotions, and we're communicating these things at a deep level in relationships that matter, it's not a time to be right all the time or a time to convince that person over to your way of understanding. It's just a time to understand. Because there are two options you have when communicating. You can either seek to be understood or you can understand. And I promise you, understanding is a better way to communicate with people. Understanding where they're coming from instead of always seeking to win or to be understood yourself. And I can tell you from experience in my own marriage and damage that I caused early on, it's a lot better to ask questions to make sure you understand, to focus on understanding the other person than to be right. All right. It's a lot better to be happy than to be right. I hope that helps. Ladies are like, amen. That's good, brother. That's the thing. Guys are like, where's my where's my support? Right. Give it. All right. I'll give you this one. Proverbs chapter 21. Listen, ladies, a guy, it's better. He says it's better to live alone in the desert. Then with a quarrelsome and complaining wife. Come on, that verse will preach right there. That'll preach. You wonder. You wonder why he's out in the tool shed just staring at the wall, not doing anything. He's avoiding you. Come on, somebody. He's just... That'll hurt. I know it's painful to hear. I know it's thing, but he's avoiding you. Your husband, the reality is your husband would rather wander out in the desert with no food and no water to die alone than to come home every day to a nagging and complaining wife. It's the Bible. I'm just I'm just preaching that one. I don't care what you say. It's funny. And so this thing. But the problem is there is a compromise here because there does need to be a place. And we'll talk about this in just a moment. There does need to be a place that we can have middle ground where we can voice our complaints or voice the things that we feel we've been wronged by. There is a place for that. But ladies, if you're always at him, if you're always negative, if you're always picking, if you're always negative all the time in every conversation that you have about your marriage, about his life, about everything, he will shut down and go live in the desert by himself. All right, everybody, you just have to understand that's the reality of it. And guys, can I also say, I hate to pile it on, but I've learned if your wife is quarrelsome and complaining, chances are there's a pretty good chance that you're not being attentive and listening. So it goes both ways. All right. Number two this morning, conversations need to happen frequently. They need to happen frequently. Great communication happens on a regular basis. It happens often. And here's a verse in Proverbs I want you to read. We read it last week. Reliable communication permits progress. You say, I'm not seeing any progress in my relationships, in my friendships, in my, my relationships at work. I'm not seeing reliable communication permits progress. You want to see progress, you mean to make sure you're on the same page and that you're having communication frequently. I love this quote from George Bernard Shaw. He says, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. 
You have to have reliable communication in all of your relationships. You have to make sure that you've actually had communication if you want any progress to happen. Well, I know I told them that. Well, did you really tell them that? And what did they hear when you said that? Well, I know that you said, I must have said something like that. I must have. I must have done it. And wives, you see this all the time. You say, well, come on, get in the car. And well, where are we going? Well, I told you two weeks ago. And it's like, well, I just, I got nothing. I got, we were in the kitchen and I told you. I got nothing. I'm sorry. I just I don't remember anything. This is reliable communication has to happen. Number three, jot it down. If you're taking notes, great communication is affirming. It's affirming. So it's not only frequent, but it has to be affirming. Here's a trend that happens. We have these expectations. We talked about that in week one and they go unmet. And so we start to feel neglected. We start to feel undervalued. We feel rejected. We feel hurt. And when we do that, then we start to push everyone out of our lives, we start to build walls around our heart and we say, no one else is going to hurt me like that. No one else is going to reject me. And so we build these walls around us and it shows up in our communication. And a lot of times when we built those walls, our communication becomes very selfish. We become selfish in the way that we talk to others. And so when we're hurt, sometimes we respond in inappropriate ways. We begin to respond to others the way that we feel like we were responded to. And Ephesians chapter four says this in verse twenty nine. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So don't let anything unwholesome come out. Because even when you're frustrated, even when you're hurt, you need to begin to speak wholesome, affirm things, but only what is helpful. And watch this, helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now think about that just for a moment. That we would begin to have communication with other people, begin to say things that are wholesome and affirming according to what they need. So you begin to have conversations thinking about, okay, what do you need and how can I feel that? How can I be affirming in the things that I say? How can I begin to speak and to build that person up? That again, we are adding life to people. That we are life giving instead of life taking. That we are adding value to people. Proverbs 16 says, kind words, kind words are like honey. I probably wrote the wrong one there. Whoever delivers your message can make things better or worse for you. That's a good Proverbs too. But another verse in Proverbs says, kind words are like honey. And that they bring strength to your soul and cheer you in your bones. So that's a principle for you. Here's the principle. Jot it down if you're taking notes. Never rob someone else through an unspoken blessing. So kind words are like honey to the bones. It never robs someone of that blessing by not speaking it. If you see something good about a person, you see something that you can speak well about them, say it. I try to put this into my life in every way that I can. If I see somebody doing something well, I say it. Don't rob someone else because you just didn't speak the blessing. And this comes through in every part of our lives, especially with your kids. If they're doing something great, say it. If you notice them, say, that's so awesome how you did that. Or that's really amazing how you obeyed. And I just, I appreciate what you did yesterday in your marriages with your spouse. If you see something, ladies, if he looks strong and attractive and he's doing something well, come on, ladies, you can say something. Say something about it. Now, I know what you're thinking, right? His head is already so big, it won't fit in the front door if I just say. But I promise you, if you start to say things, the response that you'll get, if you start to speak those blessings over other people, and your coworkers, when you see them do something, say it. And they will faint right there on the floor. Come on. If you see things, begin to say it. That's why biblical relationships are so incredible. Because it's constantly looking over the faults and the issues of other people. And beginning to speak affirmation into their lives. But so many of us, we're unwholesome in the way that we talk. It's kind of the default behavior for us because we've been talked to that way. 
And so we lash out and then we wonder why we're not having words spoken over us that are affirming. And we need to learn that in our relationships, we become more and more like Christ toward that other person, especially in the church. I'll tell you, maybe 80, 90 percent of the problems that we have in a church body are through miscommunication. And if we would begin to speak good things over each other, we begin to speak affirming things over one another instead of always trying to pick out the faults then I guarantee we would grow closer in our relationships. And that's what the church is supposed to look like. That's what we're supposed to live like. And so we begin to speak wholesome. The relationships that you have today are impacted by the words that you are speaking, which brings us to the next one, which is a little bit tricky. And this one, I think, speaks to marriages most of all. You've got to be honest. Great communication is honest. Now, that's hard because every man in here knows that there are questions that your wife asked you that there are no good answers to. All right. You just know That there are things, if you've been married more than a year, you know that there are questions that she will ask that there are new, there are no good answers to them. Do you think this dress makes me look big? It got quiet in here this morning. Do you think this question, well, once again, a potential marriage conference speaker to the rescue, because one of them taught me this week how you respond to that. The first step is to pretend like you didn't hear the question. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, were you, you were speaking to me? Like, were you? Yeah, does this dress make me look big? And the second step is to act confused. Like you didn't understand. Like, like I, I don't, I don't, I, like big how? Like I just, <laughs> it's not fair, all right? It's just not fair. That's all I have for you this morning, all right? It's just, <laughs> it's not fair. So there are some exceptions, but on the whole, in relationships that matter, great communication requires honesty. Great communication requires, Ephesians 4 says this, we lovingly, Speak the truth. So instead of all these things that we talked about in the earlier in the chapter, instead of all those things that we say, the backbiting and the negativity and all of those things, we speak the truth in love. We speak the truth in love. Because it's important for us to understand that if we speak the truth without love, it's just cruel. It's just cruel to that person. It's why you can't talk to a stranger just on the street and tell them all the truths about their life that is going to change them for the good. And that will just change their life forever. You can't just do that to a stranger because I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. And so when we begin to speak the truth, it always has to be in love. In our relationships, we have to build up trust in order to be honest. And great relationships shouldn't be full of all these topics or all these conversations that are always on pins and needles and all these danger areas that we can never approach and we can never talk about. And especially in your marriages, you can never have all these different topics and areas where you can never say anything about that. Because they just know. And if you have a reputation for flying off the handle at every single time that topic is brought up or every single time that kind of conversation is had, if you are known for your anger in those moments, you are literally training the people around you that it is not safe to talk about those things. You are training your kids that it is not safe to bring those things to you. You're training your spouse that it is not safe, your friends, that they cannot talk to you about that. And that will kill communication faster than anything else. If they are always on pins and needles about different topics that they can't even broach, we have to be able to be honest with each other. In fact, jot it down if you're taking notes. Great relationships allow the freedom to complain. Now, I'm not talking about Proverbs trying to complain in the nagging and the biting and the negativity in everything. I'm talking about more like a customer service counter. Now, none of us know what that is anymore because customer service is dead in America. All right, everybody, we just we just know that to be. I'm not going to get on that soapbox. It's just a fact. Customer service used to be this concept that if you felt wronged or if you felt like a product didn't work correctly, you would take it back to the company 
and they would make it right. On the responsibility of the company, we are going to make this because we back our product. Even if it wasn't our fault, we believe that the most important thing is a satisfied customer. Now, that's gone out the window in America, probably because a lot of you have been returning used toilets. And so that just had to that just had to get that just went out the window. Well, in your close relationships, in your marriages, in your friendship, it should operate with this principle that I don't care if it was your fault or my fault. Let's get to the bottom of it and we're going to make it right. That if I somehow unintentionally even if I somehow even in the church relationships, if I hurt you in any way, I'm sorry for that and we're going to make it right. We're going to get to the bottom of it. You can come in to speak to me about that issue. Your voice can be heard about that particular issue. And then I apologize for it. And we're going to work to make it right. But if you are known far and wide that you fly off the handle, that you have anger issues, that you're going to blow up like a rocket every single time that they bring you that particular thing. Don't be surprised when nobody talks to you in any honest way anymore. Some of you are wondering why your kids won't bring a particular topic to you or why they just won't talk to you about a certain thing or why your spouse isn't filling you in. When you have unresolved issues with another person, when it's unresolved, it's not just because you guys agreed to disagree and then, you know, you just kind of move on. No, this is a toxic. It's a dormant argument that's laying wait to ruin and destroy your relationship. You have to deal with those things. So we need honesty in our relation. The reality is if the relationship is worth having, We have to have an environment where we can talk about anything. If the relationship is worth keeping, we have to have an environment where we can discuss anything in honesty. Proverbs chapter 15, it says the soothing tongue is a tree of life. And that's what that exchange should look like, especially in your marriages. That when you talk, it's this way of life. And when your wife comes to you and says, I'm feeling this way or have this emotion. Or when your husband says, I'm feeling neglected or my needs are unmet or something. That you could have this conversation that it would be a tree of life. You'd be speaking life over each other. And you respond. But the Bible also finishes with a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. And some of you have experienced that. You've experienced that crushing part where someone has spoken. And whether it was a parent or whether it was a teacher or whether it was a friend or a spouse or whether it was another person in the church, you have had that where it crushed your spirit by the way that they spoke to you. Or the way that the communication went. That's not the kind of environment that creates honesty. And we need honesty. Last thing as we close. Great communication is productive. It's productive. Are we actually producing something on the other side? Because one of the problems why oftentimes we will shut down in a relationship. Or we'll shut down and stop the communication. Is we believe that nothing is actually even changing. We believe we get to the end of that argument. Or the end of that whatever communication time. And we feel like nothing actually changed. And so then we shut down and we say, well, I'm not going to go through all the rigmarole of that again. I just don't even want to waste the time because nothing actually changed. Nothing ever changes. Behavior doesn't ever change. They're never doing. Words don't change. And we begin to shut down. So we have to actually make sure that we are being productive in the conversations that we have. That we are actually producing something. Like when you have conversations about how you're going to raise your kids. Right. There has to be some common ground because you see, right, I know we live in a safety conscious environment, but you go to the pool nowadays and there's 11 year olds with life vests on running around tied to a string to their mama. Come on, somebody. It's just you see that. And then dad wants to throw them off the 30 foot tower right into the water. And so there is a compromise that can be made. There are compromises, but there are some areas where there will be no compromise. Like in my driving, to be honest with you, to saying, I am Mario Andretti. It's honestly, it's probably amazing that I am not in jail. All right. I just I like to drive fast. I like to, my family, my boys like to drive fast. They go fast, go fast, daddy. And we go fast. We like to go fast. My wife, Alyssa, does not like to go fast. 
She does not enjoy going fast, right? She she gets sick. She's like, she'll suck all the air out of the car. Like, how are you still alive if I am not here to tell you that you are going to hit that car? Like, I just, she does not enjoy when we're going fast. How do you not get in a wreck every single day? I don't know. I'm just, I'm Ricky Bobby, man. I just like to go fast. I'm just, I'm, I like to drive. I got a lead foot. But I have learned there is no compromise in this area. And so when I am driving my beautiful wife around town, we do not go fast. Come on, somebody. We, we compromise. We do not go fast. Because I like, she doesn't like, I, I like to test my brakes to see how good they are, right? I like to see just how good my brakes are. She does not interested in that. She does not care how good my, she likes to know there are four semis in front of me and the car in front of me at all times. And so I just learned that I had to submit my will to hers because I am not going to make her live her life in anxiety. By my actions, I'm not going to do something just because I like it that's going to make her stay in a state of anxiety. That's not what a good marriage is about. And so I have to submit my will in this area. And so when we're driving around town, I am, I, man, you should see me. You probably honk your horn at me. I am the safest driver on the road. We go the speed limit. We go slower than the speed limit. Who needs to get there, right? We just, we just got, I have learned though that in this area, when she comes to me and say, you drive like a bat out of the hot place, right? And I feel anxiety in my life. I'm not going to make her live in that, all right? That's something that I need to change in my life. Something that I need to change. So the number one thing that we need to produce. So here it is in Ephesians. When we have communication that is productive. Productive. Instead of all those things. Last time in this verse. Instead of that. We speak the truth in love. And here's what will happen. Here's the byproduct of the relationship. We will grow. We'll grow. To become in every respect the nature body of him. Mature body of him. Who is the head. That is Christ. And this should be the barometer for every single one of your relationships, every single bit of communication that you have. Are you growing? And not just are you growing, but is that relationship causing you to grow in Christ? Or is it causing you to become deficient? You want to see if your relationships are productive. Are they making you grow in Christ? Are they allowing you to grow? Are they those things? Are they causing your relationship to flourish? Are they causing it? Because you can think about every communication relationship that you have. Are they causing it to flourish? And if we can learn how to communicate well with each other, then we will grow to become more and more like Christ. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, we pray that you would help us embrace these principles of communication. Lord, we pray in every single relationship in our life that we would begin to respect the other person, God, and we would begin to grow in our relationship, not just with them, but with you. Lord, I pray over every relationship in our church. God, that they would not just be affirming, but that there would be growth that would happen in our lives. Every relationship, Lord, in the office place, every relationship in the home, every marriage, God. Lord, I just pray a blessing over them. And with every head bowed and every eye closed today, I just want to pray over your relationships that God would begin to mend and to heal them. That he would begin to move inside of those to cause them to be what he wants them to be. And before we do that, though, I just want to pray with those of you who are here today. And you've been listening to all this message and you've been hearing all these different things about communication and about true Christian relationships. But you're at this moment of the service and you say, I feel like God is a million miles away from me. I'm just far from him. And so I want to take time out from this service and just speak to you for a moment. Because if that's you, I want to encourage you. You are one prayer away 
from God taking first place again in your life. And so if you say, that's me, I feel him drawing me. I want to be closer to him. I just don't know how. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not looking to embarrass you this morning. But if that's you, if you say, I want to make that decision. If you say, I want to make him first in my life. I want to come home. I want to make God. Maybe you wander from him and I don't know why. Maybe it was hurtful words that were spoken over to you. Maybe it was a spouse or maybe it was a parent or maybe it was a coach or a teacher or a friend. Or maybe it was a pastor or a person in the church that spoke a hurtful word. And so you pushed all relationships away and you pushed God away. I want you to know this morning, he's not mad at you. He wants you to come home. And if no one else has ever told you, I want you to hear that Jesus loves you. And he wants you to come home. So here's what we're going to do. If that's you today, we're just going to pray with you. And you can pray it right where you're seated. You can pray these words, but you have to mean them in your heart. And as a church, we're going to pray this prayer out loud with you. So come on, church. Just say these words. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I repent for my sins. I repent for my mistakes. I accept what you did on the cross. I make you the Lord of my life. Come on, say those words. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I just pray over every relationship today. God, I pray over every friendship, every family member, God, every spouse, every marriage, every child. Lord, I just pray over every relationship that we have. Lord, that we begin to understand that a great relationship has great communication and that you would help us in our communication. You would help us in the words that we speak, God. That your presence would exist in every single part of our lives. And Lord, I pray in relationships where the communication is broken down, I pray right now, Lord, that you would come in with healing. Every relationship where the communication is broken, God, that you would touch it. Lord, every marriage, Father, that feels fractured, that you would do the miracle, Lord, and bring the healing. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the praise. We'll give you the glory for all that you're going to do. One last time, we praise and we thank you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's church said, amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for what God has done today? Hey, stand up with me this morning. We're going to end just with worship, just praising Him for what He's done. Can we just sing together? Come on, let's lift our voices. Let's just sing loud. Let's just praise Him for all that He is. Come on, let's sing together.